Welcome. Welcome back, everyone, to a brand new episode of my weekly podcast, Writing Through the Pain. This is your host and Winnipeg multidisciplinary artist, Ingrid D. Johnson. Thank you, everyone, for joining me as I discuss, explore, and discover what facing and slowly healing after the trauma of childhood sexual abuse looks like in several areas of life, beginning with my childhood years and into my teens and then slowly into my adult life. Thank you for choosing to go on this healing journey with me as I share pieces of my story from my upcoming book and also interviews with other people that are connected to my story. Would you like to do more to show your support for this podcast? Then please, subscribe, leave a tip in any amount, or become a monthly sponsor by contributing $5 a month or more through our PayPal link. That link is www.paypal.com forward slash paypalme, all one word, forward slash ITC sponsorship. In return, you will receive a quarterly newsletter, a download code to my album Visions and Dreams, and 10% discount off all new In the Closet Productions products and services. Every dollar you contribute will be used to produce inspiring original music, live music shows, speaking engagements, this podcast, and other creative projects that helps to draw awareness to the impact of childhood sexual abuse. Thank you so much for your wonderful support. When I was a small child growing up, I could not control being sexually abused by my babysitter's husband or by my stepfather. But as I grew into a teenage girl, I found that I could make other choices pertaining to my life, important choices that would impact my life for better or for worse for the rest of my life. Choices that required real wisdom, knowledge, and insight that I did not have as a child to truly understand the long-lasting impact that some of those choices would always have on the rest of my life. So looking back now as an adult on some of those major choices I made in my teenage life, I can truly empathize with my mother, who also had to make so many big choices in her life as a teenage girl, pregnant at 15, with a brand new life. And now, part 12 of my story. A baby? And when you say shorts, are we talking about underwear, shorts, or shorts you wear in the summer? Shorts you wear in the summer. Okay. And would it happen at in the daytime, nighttime? In the daytime. It happened a few times in in the nighttime. Okay. And the times it happened in the nighttime, it would still happen in your dad's room? Mm-hmm. Okay, now... Well, no. If my mom would be sleeping one time, one time it happened in the living room and in the basement. Okay. We'll talk about those times in a little while the living room, and the basement time. But the times in the bedroom, where would it happen in the bedroom? On his bed. 
And why would it be, Ingrid, that you both would be in the bedroom at the same time? Okay, one time, like I come in there to watch and I thought he would stop doing it and so I came in there to watch. I'm sorry, what did you say about stop doing it? I didn't hear that. Stop touching me. I'm sorry. She came into the room and she thought he would stop touching her. I'm sorry. Would it be that we would be the first one in the room when these things would happen? He was. Was it ever that you would be in the bedroom by yourself and he would come in after? No. So he would always be in the bedroom. And always wearing his robe. Yes. And these shorts you talked about? Right. But Ingrid, why? If this would happen every single weekend, why would you go back in the room if he was in bed with his shorts? And you knew from the first time that he touched you in a bad way, why did you go back in the room? Because, because I trusted because I trusted him and and I thought he'd leave me alone but he didn't now these times that it would happen in the room you describe him touching your breast the first time yeah what would happen the other times in the bedroom what else would he do I had never experienced morning sickness before. So when I started throwing up on a regular basis at 15 years old, I just thought I had the flu. It never occurred to me that I could be pregnant until I went to see my doctor for a physical, told her my symptoms, and she suggested that I take a pregnancy test. I almost lost my mind when she said the words out loud, a pregnancy test? Yes, Ingrid, I think you should take one just to rule it out. Okay. Okay, I said, slowly feeling extra nervous about the results. Okay, take this plastic container into the bathroom, use the swab in the stall to wipe yourself first, pee into the toilet a little, and then fill the cup halfway. Pee into the toilet to finish. Cover it. And put the container into the tray outside the bathroom. Okay? Okay, Dr. Ning. Okay. I said, feeling very nervous about what would come afterwards. What would I do if the results were positive? How would I take care of a kid? I was still a kid myself. Was this how my mom felt when she got pregnant with me at 15 and gave birth to me at 16 in St. Catharines, Jamaica? Would I be just like her? I wanted a better life. I didn't want to be a teenage mom. I loved my mom, but I didn't want to follow in her footsteps. I didn't want to make her mistakes. I didn't want to be angry like she was angry. I didn't want to resent my child like I felt she resented me. I couldn't be a parent at 15. 
I couldn't share a child with Mookie. I never wanted to see his face again. In fact, I had been avoiding his phone calls ever since I left his apartment on that day, filled with anger and shame after he ejaculated inside of me without my consent. After he ignored all the ways I tried to silently tell him that I didn't want to have sex with him. My stiff body didn't deter him. My angry face did nothing to make him take pause. He was too busy ignoring all my signals and taking what he wanted from me that day to care about my feelings. There was no conversation between us. No asking me if I was okay with going further. There was only him forcing his way into me over and over again so I never wanted to see him again. Even if it technically wasn't rape. I still felt violated by a guy that I wasn't even sure that I wanted to date, never mind sleep with. I was so disgusted by him that I'd even taken a break from going to the mall with my friends just to avoid running into him. Later on at home, the phone rings and my staff call me to tell me that the phone is for me. It is Dr. Ning and she has my results. I accept the call and listen with bated breath as she starts telling me the thing I don't want to hear, the thing that most teenage girls fear. Ingrid, you're definitely pregnant. The amount of weeks and everything she says after that is foggy and gets lost in my head as I become a zombie feeling no longer alive but not fully dead. A few months later, Later, a few moments later, alone in my room, I cry my eyes out and for a split second consider throwing myself down the stairs to end the pregnancy I never wanted. Wanting so badly to go back to being not pregnant instead of a young teenage girl with a fetus slowly growing inside of me that would turn into a full-grown baby in nine months. I needed to do something. I needed to decide on whether I was going to have this baby or terminate this pregnancy that would change my life forever. I needed to talk talk to someone about my choices before going forward with a choice. I decided to talk to my my support workers who were sitting in the office talking to each other about everyday things. They were great at listening. They always seemed to help me with my problems. They helped me to decide what to do on almost everything since I had moved into my group home. They were non-judgmental, but they weren't afraid to challenge my decisions as well, forcing me to rethink some of the choices I wanted to make. I wish I had spoken to them before I had went to Mookie's place, but again I had thought I was going to meet him and his family, not him and an apartment full of his friends. Gavin, one of the male staff, was on shift with Trinity, my favorite staff member. They were both excellent listeners, very comforting, non-judgmental, and I knew I could trust them with my secret. I knew I could tell them that I wanted an abortion because I couldn't be a mother at 16 years old like my mother was with me. I hated myself for thinking that, for feeling this way, and even thinking about having an abortion before any other option. But I was too afraid to have my baby, and I was too afraid to give give it away to someone who might abuse my baby and not love my baby in the way my baby deserves. Inside, I kept thinking about how my mother had gotten pregnant with me at 15, well, 15 and a half to be exact. 
and how she had given birth to me at 16. How she had hidden my conception from my grandmother for as long as she could until that was not possible anymore. And how she had also kept my birth a secret from my real father. And that led to my horrible stepfather who ended up destroying more of my childhood and also taking from me my home and our relationship. Nothing good seemed to come out of being a teenage mom as far as I could see, except for the beautiful baby that I could not picture raising myself on my own with Mookie. I didn't want him anywhere near me. Gavin and Trinity quietly listened to me as I poured out my heart and shared my concerns and my thoughts about motherhood. They listened and tried to comfort me as I told them what I wanted to do. I need to have an abortion. I can't have a kid. I would make a terrible mother and ruin my kid. Why do you think that, Ingrid? Trinity asked. Because my mom had me around this age and she wasn't that great with me. I love her, but she made mistakes and I could tell I wrecked her life and ruined her dreams. I could tell she was angry about having to raise me so young. I don't want to resent my kid or make them feel unloved or unwanted. I also don't want to have my baby and give it away to strangers that could hurt him or her. What if you were a good mom? What if you have your baby? What if you had your baby and your baby goes to a really good home? Gavin asked gently. I didn't know how to respond to that because my mind was already set on having an abortion so I wouldn't have to go through the pain of labor and then giving up my child. I couldn't think of anything else although I felt very badly about wanting to have an abortion over having my child. I felt like God would never forgive me for aborting my baby. But I still found myself asking my support staff to call my doctor in order to set up an appointment to abort my pregnancy. To be continued. There's been some changes I've been going through. So many things I need to say to you mm-hmm. Sometimes I don't know which way to turn mm-hmm. And it's times like this I could use a friend Don't you know I could use a friend your help here today cause I've been having all these problems and you're the only one who solves them and I don't mean to be a bother but I really need you father cause I'm afraid to try again yes I'm afraid to fly again cause I'm afraid I'm afraid I'm afraid Like a child that's harder to cry I don't know why When things are good in my life 
Did you enjoy this recent episode? Then stay tuned for a brand new episode of Writing Through the Pain, My Story Continued, every Wednesday night. Tune in next week, where I will share more of my story dealing with the impact of childhood sexual abuse. Well, as usual, please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and share it with your colleagues, family members, acquaintances, and friends. After all, you never know who this podcast might speak to, inspire, uplift, inform, or help to break their silence about an incident or incidents of childhood sexual abuse in their lives. To leave a message about an episode of this podcast, or to become a potential guest on the show, please message me at anchor.fm forward slash Ingrid D. Johnson, all one word, forward slash message. Thank you again for listening. Thank you for supporting my mission. Good night and God bless you, my friends.